For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and that just really threw me off there, but here we go. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I'm very excited today to welcome back good friend of the podcast, Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee co-host of Candlestick Chronicles on Blue Wire. Chris, welcome back to Trace Sandler Show. Thank you so much for having me. Am I the first returning guest? No. Since you sw- oh, okay. We've also um, had Steve Weish come back and Jim Trotter. Oh, okay, fine. I guess I can be second fiddle to those guys. But how are you? I, you know what? I am great. And how Good. are you? Good. I'm hanging in there. I'm, uh, you know, a little... A little sleepy doing doing NBA games is still a bit of an adjustment, even though it's been, um, you know, sort of a full season now. But, you know, NBA games, you get home late, you're up writing late and then uh, and then you get to be up early recording podcasts. So um, sleep be damned, Tracy. I'm out here to uh, to provide as much content for the people as possible. I just want our listeners to know that by being up early to record podcasts, it's 10 a.m. Yeah, well, you know what, Tracy, when you're writing till like one in the morning, 10 a.m. does feel a little bit early. I know it definitely does. And I totally feel that I just could not let an opportunity (laughs) to tease you go by because I have a responsibility to our fellow colleagues on the 49ers beat to throw out a little teasing. And just humankind in general, right? And humankind in general. Uh, But you know what? I get that. And I appreciate you waking up early to record with me. You are just a kind person and you're appreciated. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, this little like loves fest with beads, let's Mm -hmm. talk a few things. We're going to start with the incomparable Frank Gore, who apparently is going to sign a one day contract with the 49ers, retire as a 49er. He is perhaps one of the more beloved 49ers players in recent history or ever, really, if we're, if we're looking at it. Uh, And that is the end of, of what was an incredible career, uh, 16,000 yards rushing in 16 seasons, third all-time leading rusher in the NFL. Uh, there is discussions to whether or not he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to go ahead with yes, 1,000%. But Chris Biederman, I brought you on to hear your thoughts. <laughs> We're finally here. The top teams in college basketball have been determined and the final four is set. Looking to wager on these games or the national championship? Head over to betonline.ag on your desktop or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. 
Learn why everyone is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. Bet online, where the game starts. So I started covering the 49ers in 2013, and uh, as a very, very um, young and inexperienced reporter, um, I have very fond memories of Frank Gore because he was one of those people that would answer your questions even if they probably weren't great. Mm-hmm. Right. He would he would be honest with you and, and he would give you what you need. And, and from a media perspective. Right. That's kind of rare mm-hmm. um, in the NFL world. And so, you know, particularly for quote unquote star players. Right. So Frank Gore to me, I'll, I'll always remember just sort of those conversations that we had both on and off the record. It wasn't like, you know, we, I talked to him all the time or anything like that, but he was super helpful to me. And, and I do remember him taking time out after even after scrums with you know, we would have scrums with 10 or 12 reporters or whatever. And then even having conversations with him after that sort of on his own time. Um, I, I remember him being super helpful and, and enlightening me and, and making my job uh, or, or helping me do my job better. Right. So I'll remember Frank Gore not only as a great player and, and a key player to some good 49ers teams and somebody who survived, frankly, some some really bad 49ers eras. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just uh, uh, overall a really high quality person. And, and it's not just fluff when you hear that from, you know, people like Jed York, who obviously still um, keeps in close contact with Frank Gore. I think to a man, everybody who's encountered Frank Gore has nothing but glowing things to say about him. And he's just a really unique story to to come into the NFL with with two battered knees and shoulder injuries and, um, you know, in a super crowded backfield at the University of Miami and, and to end up having probably the most successful career of, of any running back out of that school that, that he came out with, at least like it's just an incredibly impressive career for Frank and, and just the work ethic is really unparalleled. And also, you know, if you talk to Joe Staley, the, the 49ers left tackle who he'll say Frank Orr was his all time favorite teammate. And I know Alex Smith said something similar um, on social media this week. So um, yeah, I, I, Frank Gore is a, as good of a football player as he is. I, I think he's also a, a very high quality human being. Um, and, and I'm happy for him that, that he's able to end his career as, you know, I, I never thought he would be the, the third time, the third all time leading rusher in, in the NFL by the time he called it quits. Um, so props to him and, and all the, all the, you know, all the luck in, in his retirement, which looks like it's going to be. A part of the NF, uh, part of the 49ers as you know, maybe a, a special assistant or player engagement or scout or assistant running running backs coach, something like that. I, I think Frank's going to keep himself busy, and it sounds like it's going to come in Santa Clara. Yes, as our uh, our good friend and colleague Matt Barrows reported, uh, Jed York said that that was a fantastic idea, and he'd love to have Frank Gore part of the organization. I think that would be would be great for the organization. You brought up Joe Staley, uh, and you brought up Alex Smith, so. When you look at Frank Gore and you look at and Joe Staley particularly, I feel like those are two players that it's really a shame they never won a Super Bowl. I would agree. And I think it's still very fresh in, in 49ers fans' minds what happened in Super Bowl 47 against the Ravens and the fact that they had all those chances inside the 10-yard line and, and Frank Gore didn't get a touch there. Um, I think it was one of the plays, second or third down, there was a there was a call to give Gore the ball or at least try a zone read that that had been so effective with Colin Kaepernick throughout that playoff run. 
Um, but I think it might have been the play that they had to call the timeout because the play clock was running low. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, our guy Jim Harbaugh, that was that was always an issue with his offense was the fact that, you know, they sort of struggled getting uh, getting plays called in time and delay of game penalties and having to utilize timeouts. And um, I, I didn't I, I think he hated the fact that 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 was always a conversation when he was coached, that the mm-hmm. media would ask him about it. But it proved to be a pretty fatal flaw. And, and who knows that? You know, if they were better at that, does Frank Gore get the ball? Does he get one or two touches inside the inside the 10 five yard line there? And and instead of those fade routes to Michael Crabtree, you know, do the 49ers score a touchdown? Are we talking about the franchise in a completely different light because they do win a Super Bowl and uh, and beat the Ravens? And does Jim Harbaugh's coaching tenure last a little bit longer because he gets the extension that he covets? Um, it was really sort of a sliding door moment. And uh, and it. It'll always be fascinating in hindsight to look back and say, you know, what would have happened if Frank Gore got the ball at least once there? Well, do they score a touchdown? Does it change the trajectory of the franchise? Does it change the the fallout of Jim Harbaugh's tenure ultimately? And, mm-hmm. and you know, is he coaching your beloved Michigan Wolverines or is he still with the 49ers? I guess we'll never know. But Frank Gore, obviously a very central cast member to uh, to all these questions that we have. We will never know. And you bring up the great existential question that I have been asked so many times. Would I rather they won a Super Bowl and he still is the coach of the 49ers or would I rather he's at Michigan? And I tell you, sometimes you just cannot answer a hypothetical question because it didn't actually happen. And so and also it, well, has, it, wait, wait, has, has Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan been that great for you? I love Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> I think <laughs> you know how I feel about Jim Harbaugh. And I know you've you you've beaten Ohio State once, and I guess that's that that's given you a lifetime uh, of college football. And happiness. went to the Big Ten championship and won that, and we're in the Final Four of of college football. So I think that I love Jim Harbaugh. And <laughs> it's funny though because I was thinking about the other day that if they'd lost to Ohio State again, my feelings about Jim Harbaugh would be so different than they are at this moment. But at this moment. I love Jim Harbaugh <laughs> and um, I will not tolerate any Jim Harbaugh slander on this podcast. That's fine. We can revisit the, the discussion um, late November of, uh, of this upcoming season and see. how. Yeah. After goes. Michigan beats Ohio state again, I think we should totally talk about it for <laughs> sure. I'm all in on that because uh-huh. I don't know if you guys know this, but I love Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> so there's, there's that. Um, so there's that. It's funny when you talk about the delay of game. I will say this, and I this is not slander. This is just fact. It is still a bit of an issue with the Michigan offense. Man, they just cannot getting a play on time seems to be a, a general issue. But that's okay because, as you may or may not know, they beat Ohio State, went to the Big Ten championship, beat Iowa. As anybody who saw George Kittle in his awesome Michigan shirt would know, and uh, we're in the Final Four. So I can live with that. Yeah, I mean, the, the the important thing from my standpoint has always been I, I like when the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry is is as competitive as possible because it means that that game means a lot more. So the fact that Michigan did win for the first time in 30 years or whatever it's been. It wasn't 30 um, does, years. Does, <laughs> whatever it's been, Tracy, it does add a little bit more zest to the rivalry. And I'm always good with that because, you know, after Thanksgiving, you would love a more exciting competitive game than it's been in recent seasons so I'm, I'm glad Michigan at least at least added a little bit more spice to the rivalry I also think as long as you bring this up it's worth letting our listeners know uh well my listeners but you're on this podcast so our listeners know that Chris and I have had a bet for several years and over the last several years one of us 
would change her avatar it to be in Ohio State gear, which was very upsetting, for a month. Interestingly enough, before this year's Michigan-Ohio State game, Chris was like, I'd like to change the terms of the bet to dinner. because, And that is when, by the way, I first sensed weakness in Buckeye Nation. That's when I knew Michigan was going to win because I felt like Chris knew Michigan was going to win and he didn't even want to have to change his avatar. So there you go. I mean, your your picture... So I went to Ohio State, if if um, uh, your listeners are, are unaware. But your picture wearing your Ohio State hat, you just have such a sad look on your face that I was okay. kind of... Uh, I, I was tired of, of seeing that every year. Mm-hmm. You know, the holiday season, I generally want it to be a little bit more cheerful. Um, and given how often we interact, you you know, you're seeing your sad face as friends just d- d- took away from a little bit of that cheer. So that's why I, I wanted to change the terms of the bet. But we let's talk. Let's talk about something else. I, I feel like Buckeye Nation. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking with weakness of Buckeye Nation. Sure. But alas and alack, we have the college football season is behind us. The college basketball season is almost behind us. We are our men's college basketball season. South Carolina won last night. Uh, on the, we're recording this on Monday. So congratulations to them in the women's NCAA basketball tournament. Tonight, Kansas takes on North Carolina. By the time you listen to this, the game will have been over. So we hope everybody had a great time. That's what I have to say about that. Uh, but we are now going to look towards, towards the future. There was like a sequitur or non-sequitur I was going to go with and kind of move us into the draft, sure. you know, like college football. But then I took a lot of turns along the way. But here we are. We're now back to the draft. We are in April. The draft is just a few weeks away after a very crazy NFL offseason. It's been like just a variety of crazy things that have happened. Uh, But now the draft is upon us in the next few weeks. You look like you have something to say, and I want you to share whatever it is with the listeners. No, I was as crazy as it's been. You would have thought like in February, if you were to say, oh, there's going to be a ton of quarterback movement and a lot of things are going to happen and the entire league is going to get shaken up. You would just assume that, oh, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play for a different team. Mm. <laughs> but Jimmy Garoppolo, what the, one of the crazy aspects of this crazy offseason has been the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo remains with the 49ers for now. So yes. I don't expect that to to be the status quo by the time week one comes around. And maybe we can talk about that if if your listeners aren't tired of that topic of, of conversation already. But um, yeah, that's the thing that, that stuck out in my mind when you said it's been a crazy offseason. It's, it's like, yeah, it, it has been crazy because Jimmy Garoppolo is still a 49er. That is definitely one of the crazy things, and that and that is the reason for that is for a lot of the other crazy things that have happened along the way. But we could, I think, I think the listeners, Chris, what I have learned, are never tired of talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, last week, I had Jessica Kleinschmidt on to talk about baseball, and even in that conversation, we started the podcast by saying there won't be a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo discussion, which led to a little bit of Jimmy Garoppolo discussion. So. You know, I I think the listeners are never tired of hearing about that. I agree with you. That probably won't be the case week one. He probably will not be on the roster. But, you know, at this point, but I I, I don't think that will be the case week one. But he's going to be on the roster for a few months. Yeah. So you were at the NFL owners meeting. So you you were doing on the ground reporting. I was just um, sitting at home in Sacramento watching these these interviews on on YouTube. Boots on the ground. ground. Um, But... You know, it was interesting because you hear Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch talk about, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is too good to cut. Um, you know, he's too good of a football player. He's going to be playing for somebody. 
I wonder if they're going to feel that way when they're up against final cuts at the end of August, ahead of like 10 days ahead of week one um, or two weeks, whatever it is. Uh, when they're looking at paying Jimmy Garoppolo 27 million or 20, you know, having a 27 and a half million dollar cap hit if he does not beat out Trey Lance for the starting job. And, and from my vantage point, it seems like beating out Trey Lance for the starting job would be exceedingly difficult this summer because barring injury, Trey Lance is going to be healthy and going to be working with the starters throughout the offseason program while Jimmy Garoppolo isn't going to be able to resume throwing until July. And so depending on how quickly Jimmy Garoppolo's you know, velocity on his throws or touch on his throws, what have you, barring how quickly that comes back, it could be the first couple weeks of training camp or, or Jimmy Garoppolo sort of relearning how to throw and, and what exactly does that look like and how far is he going to fall behind Trey Lance in the quote-unquote competition to start? How does that impact his trade value? How does that impact um, how the 49ers view him? And I know they say that they're willing to you know, carry Jimmy Garoppolo's cap number, even if he doesn't win the starting job or, you know, they want to insulate themselves from any Trey Lance issues, whether that be injury or the fact that they don't believe Trey Lance is ready. Kyle Shanahan said Trey Lance, he believes Trey Lance is ready, which is the reason why the 49ers have been trying to trade him. But the point stands in that everything positive that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch say about Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, it's not that it's a bold faced lie, but it's they're doing it's them doing what behooves them in order to keep Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value up, right? Because ultimately that is the goal, to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, which they said as much um, without coming out and saying it. So it's interesting because they could have ripped the Band-Aid off. They could have cut Jimmy Garoppolo. Better players than Jimmy Garoppolo get cut every offseason. And I, I would point you towards you know Bobby Wagner, for example, and it happens all the time throughout the league. Players better than Jimmy Garoppolo get released because teams say, look, we're not paying you. Um, we'll give you the freedom to choose your next destination. And the 49ers have decided, no, we're going to hold on to you because quarterbacks are a rare commodity. And we think we could eventually get valuable draft picks or a draft pick back for you at some point. And so maybe this turns into a Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford situation in the summer where a quarterback elsewhere gets hurt and needs a starter. And then all of a sudden, Jimmy Garoppolo has value, say a third or fourth round pick. And the 49ers come out looking like geniuses because they get a price for Jimmy Garoppolo that seemed impossible to get in April, right? So um, I'm very interested to see how it plays out. And ultimately, the biggest question I have, which won't get answered until you know final cuts are made, is if nobody deems Jimmy Garoppolo as a desirable enough option to trade for, are the 49ers going to cut him? Are they going to carry him onto the roster and try to trade him at the trade deadline? Um, would they just move him for say a six round pick just to get his money off the books? Um, these are all questions that we obviously have to wait a long time to be answered for. And I don't find that deciphering the way John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan talk about Jimmy Garoppolo in the trade market is all that useful because we know that they do want to get rid of him, and anything they say is about keeping his trade value high. I don't I don't disagree with that. I was just thinking when you were talking about it, if they ultimately well, a couple of things. First of all, you're right. If someone gets hurt that and someone needs a quarterback, that kind of changes everything. But ultimately, I'm thinking that in terms of like, let's pretend we get down to final cuts and they really can't trade for him, and so they cut him. It feels 
very unfair to Jimmy Garoppolo. And I understand this is a business in the NFL, but there's been a lot of talk of everyone doing right by each other. So if they're going to cut him, they should just cut him. Like if it's even a thing, it's really, I think they, I don't think it matters, but I think they don't look great if then at that point they cut him. Whereas, you know, they could do it sooner. It doesn't matter. Again, it's a business. Everybody has to do what they. You, you watch Mad Men, right? You remember when Don Draper tells Peggy Olson that's what the money's for? Uh-huh. The, yep. the, diner, the Niners have given Jimmy Garoppolo over $100 million since since he came to the team I understand that. I'm just so. saying if the conversation <laughs> has been this whole time, we want to do right by Jimmy, and yeah. Jimmy's been major value to the organization, and if that's – I'm just saying if that's – because that's also been the party line. It hasn't just been keeping his trade value up. They have also said from the beginning, we want to do right by Jimmy. Jimmy's done a lot to the, for this organization. I'm just saying if they do end up cutting him on like September 1st or whatever the date is, when they could have just cut him on April 4th, I'm just saying, I it, I don't think anyone's, no one's going to get mad. And I, I, It's a business. I'm just saying that has also been something they've said. Everybody has said it. Jen York said yeah. it last week. Yep. Scott Lynch said it last week. Kyle Shanahan said last week. They said it. Their closeout of the season. You know that closeout of the season. We've. I think we've talked about this before. And I've definitely talked about it before on this podcast. You had John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Jimmy's made it really hard on us. He did stay healthy for the most part. Of course, now he's having surgery. He took us to the NFC Championship game. All the stuff. You had Jimmy come in. Who's like, this has been great. It's been a wonderful working with you guys. See you later and good luck. And so it's just you know, funny how things have changed. So I'm just bringing that up as that is something else that has been said over and over again. And yes, they paid him a lot of money, but you know, there's a finite amount of time, unless you're Tom Brady, there's a finite amount of time to be an NFL quarterback. <laughs> this is, you know, whatever you're going to make. So everyone will be fine. Jimmy Garoppolo will ultimately be fine. I believe Jimmy Garoppolo will ultimately be on another football team next year, whether he gets cut, whether he gets traded, I think I agree with you, barring injury. If you read between the lines on everything, they said Trey is their guy. So barring injury, he's their guy. And, you know, I actually, I was on a radio show last week and I said exactly what he said, that at the end of the day, like Trey is going to have an entire off season of first team reps. He has had all this time. He's been on a team. He got to sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo. He got to be on a team that went from three and five to the NFC championship game. There's a lot of experience there. There's a lot of learning there. Like he's, have all this time with the playbook. He is their guy. There is like no doubt in my mind. I don't think they can say there's a, if, if Jimmy's still on the roster, they can say there's like a quarterback competition. There is no, it's just like last year, there wasn't a quarterback competition. This year, there's not a quarterback competition. It's just the opposite way. Trey Lance will be their starting quarterback, barring injury in 2022. The question is, will Jimmy Garoppolo be his backup or will Jimmy Garoppolo be starting for, let's say, the Carolina Panthers? Who's to say? But there's another thing I want to bring up in this conversation. Nate Sudfeld. This is another guy they're actually relatively. Oh, Nate Sudfeld. I did not think we were going to go here today. Oh, Let's yeah, go. We're going, we're going. You want to talk quarterbacks? I'm bringing in Sudby. Nate Sudfeld is low key the body language king of the 49ers. He is, he is all time hype man. Uh, yes, on, on he this definitely roster. is. And he is somebody that they are rel- as excited as you could be about a backup quarterback. This is somebody that they are relatively excited about. And I think it's someone that they believe can at least back up Trey Lance. And should Trey Lance get injured and have to miss a couple games, Nate Sudfeld can come in. 
He's also a lot cheaper than the $27.5 million backup. So I think that is, and I mean, they gave him that contract. And I just think that is another part of this. It's not like they have Trey Lance and they're like, well, maybe we should just keep Jimmy in case because at least we have someone. I think they have someone they believe can be a solid QB2. So yeah, I'm bringing up Nate Sutfeld. You're welcome, Nate. Got you. <laughs> yeah. So I do want to back up a little bit to the doing right by Jimmy Garoppolo conversation because that that takes many different forms, right? Do you do mm-hmm. right by Jimmy Garoppolo in that you trade him to a desirable team um, for little, like because you want to send him to a good situation? Do you do right by him by taking the best offer and telling the NFL world, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is worth the third round pick? Um, you know, he's actually a good player. This is why we got a third round pick for him. Or do you do right by him by cutting him and say, now you can go play wherever you want, right? So there are very different, there are varying levels, like narrative levels. And I know how much NFL people love the word narrative, but there are different levels of quote unquote doing right by Jimmy Garoppolo. And ultimately, I mean, that's that's what's going to be fascinating about this is like, do the 49ers just take whatever they can? Do they send them to the Texans? Is Is sending them to you know, NFL Siberia in Houston right now. Like, is that, is that doing right by Jimmy? Like, I'm very curious to see what this looks like and, and is doing right by Jimmy potentially include having Jimmy be uh, Mitch, uh, Mitch Trubisky last year and going to be a backup somewhere and then re-entering the quarterback market next off season when he's healthy. Maybe he goes, say, say Jimmy Garoppolo serves as Patrick Mahomes backup for a year. Right? That would be something. It would be something, right? But wouldn't Jimmy Garoppolo have more value if he were healthy? Be like, oh wow, he he played behind Mahomes and learned from Andy Reid, and now he's fully healthy, and and you know we can go get Jimmy Garoppolo for fifteen million a year, or ten million a year, whatever it is. Like, is that doing right by Jimmy Garoppolo? So there are a lot of different ways this could go. So when I say doing right by Jimmy Garoppolo, what I specifically was referring to was if you're going to cut him, cut him now. That's, that's what I mean by doing. I don't mean yeah, on, okay. on the trade part of it. That's a whole other thing. And I think, and I don't, and Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't wrong. He needed the surgery. He got the surgery that did change things dramatically for him in the 49ers. So I'm, but when I say do right by Jimmy Garoppolo, I specifically mean if you're going to, if they're, if you're probably going to have to cut him September 1st or whatever the date is, and I don't know what happened like right in front of me then just cut them on April 4th. That's what I mean by it. I think all the trade stuff, that that's like a whole other discussion, and I agree with you. But I think on the trade stuff, to me, then you're truly, it's like business. because And because the surgery changed things so much, and I am not criticizing him for having a surgery on his throwing shoulder that he needs by any means, but that did change things dramatically. So I think whatever, if wherever they trade him, whatever they trade him for, they're going to have to do what's best for them on that one. I just mean, if you're going to cut him in September, then just cut him now. I agree. And that's been sort of my, my viewpoint from, from the whole thing. And one more angle to doing right by Jimmy Garoppolo. What's Jimmy Garoppolo's best chance at starting for a good team that could potentially make a deep playoff run? It's, it's staying with the 49ers, right? Yeah. For sure. But, <laughs> but that's not- all those other opportunities have dried up. So if you're doing right by Jimmy, I mean, that obviously they want to move him. But like doing right by Jimmy's, if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you're like, well, 
looking around the NFL landscape, like, yeah, I could start for Carolina or maybe Houston or I, I mean, Seattle, but I don't think that's going to happen. But his best chance at starting and, and starting for a particularly good team is still with the 49ers. So I could understand Jimmy Garoppolo and Don Yee going into this thing being like, well, you know, this isn't ideal, but I've beaten out Trey Lance in a training camp competition before. Why can't I do it again? I would say, though, my argument to that, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. I do think ultimately, though, if they're going to do that and let's say keep them on the roster throughout the season, I don't think they're doing right by anybody. I also would, including themselves. I don't think. I agree. I, I actually think it is bad for the team to have Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance in a quote unquote quarterback competition in training camp that Jimmy Garoppolo has little to no chance of winning because they are in on Trey Lance. And I don't Mm -hmm. disagree with that. I actually think that's bad for everyone. And then I think you do create a locker room issue that you were able to avoid last season. And now it's a bit of a problem. And then you also put your players in a position of every day of training camp, again, having to answer (laughs) questions about Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. And I actually think that's bad for everyone involved. And from the 49ers perspective, I think it's particularly bad for yeah. the 49ers. I, I, I want to be clear. And if you listen to my podcast, you'll you'll know that I've been of of that mind that having Jimmy Garoppolo around this year just doesn't make sense. And it's probably mm-hmm. not worth keeping him and going through all this just to get a mid-round draft pick or a late-round draft pick, whatever it's going to be. Um, but a part of me really feels like Kyle Shanahan would not view a quarterback competition as a bad thing. And oh, one thing, that. one thing that I do believe that Kyle Shanahan said um, at the owners' meetings was competition makes makes guys better. Um, and they actually all said that. Jed York said that also about Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo that he thinks that yeah. they made each other better this year. Lynch said, I mean, they've been, I, so I, I don't disagree with you. I could definitely see it happening. I just don't think it's a great idea. Yeah, but I think it's a terrible idea, but Kyle <laughs> Shanahan is the, is the son of an old school football coach. And, and part of me feels like as progressive as Kyle Shanahan is maybe from a schematics perspective and, um, it, you know, so many different ways of running a football team, he is very progressive and forward thinking, but I also think he wouldn't mind, you know, as an offensive coach, having two quarterbacks, two starting caliber quarterbacks in a training camp and say, all right, who somebody go win the job. Mm-hmm. I could see him relishing that opportunity, but I would completely, di- I'm with you in that I completely disagree with him if that's indeed the way he's thinking because Trey Lance just needs reps. Trey Lance needs to get every single rep in training camp, not split them with Jimmy Garoppolo. So we're very much in alignment um, in terms of, I think, how we view this quarterback situation for the 49ers, but I'm not entirely sure that Kyle Shanahan feels the same way. Um, but ultimately, r- irrespective of that, I do feel like it's unlikely Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be on the team by the time the regular season starts. I agree with you. And with that, we are not going to make it to talk about the draft on this particular episode. We can we can talk about it. I can I can go for a little longer. Okay, if you go for a little bit longer, then yeah. let's talk about the draft. But you know, once again, Jimmy Garoppolo. T- you know, I gotta say this for Jimmy Garoppolo. This man 
people you'd be able to talk about him all the time. We haven't even gotten into his incredible acting chops in the sub- subway commercial, but Jess Kleinschmidt and I did talk about that last in- week. Incredible acting chops? Is I'm that how we're describing that. it? Yep. Yep. Okay. I, I'm going all to right. think they, I thought they were great. For, for somebody for for somebody who's like as relaxed and doesn't crave attention and is it just tries to stay out of the spotlight as much as possible Jimmy Garoppolo does get a lot of burn a lot like there's a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo content out there for somebody who like doesn't tweet who only posts Travis Matthew ads on his Instagram like it's it is pretty wild how how Jimmy Garoppolo is is such a popular figure despite really trying to avoid any discussion about him personally. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really, it's, it's kind of incredible. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit about the draft. We'll do a little, we'll do a little draft quick hit. How's that? Let's sure. Sounds great. Hit. And I would say, I would like to know from your perspective with that 61st pick in the NFL draft, what position do you think the 49ers should go with? And do you have anyone specific in mind? I think they should take the best player available, um, and that's a cop out, obviously. But I, I, I mean, if you're the 49ers, and look, I'll be honest, I haven't, I haven't spent much time in the lab breaking down film, uh, the all 22 yet, um, but that will come at some point soon. Can't wait. I think <laughs> from from what I've heard and my understanding and the very limited amount of research I've done into this draft class is it's very deep at edge rusher, mm-hmm. cornerback. Um, and there are potentially some good interior offensive linemen that could be had in the in the middle of the draft. So I would say the best available player at edge rusher corner or guard slash center, maybe center slash guard, if you want to prioritize finding Alex Max replacement, who could mm-hmm. potentially, you know, play left or right guard before moving over to replace Alex Mack if and when he does retire. Um, then that would make a lot of sense and be perfectly justifiable because if you look at the 49ers' shortcomings in the Super Bowl two years ago and in the most recent NFC Championship game, I think you could point directly towards the interior of the offensive line being an issue against Chris Jones um, and a guy named Aaron Donald uh, mm-hmm. who is pretty good at playing football. So Tell me um, more about this Aaron Donald. <laughs> but well, one thing, one, one thing about well, I, I I don't have much more than that on Aaron uh, other than to say he's pretty good. Um, but I mean the the thing that's you know the the thing that's really interesting about this draft is you know every every year around this time it feels like oh this is this is going to be a defining draft class for this tenure and um, you know this is one of the most important drafts in in team history. I just don't feel that way about this draft for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Mostly because the roster is mostly set, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they don't really have any starting spots, whether you look at offense or defense, where it's like they don't have somebody who you feel at least okay about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, I would say maybe nickel corner is a spot. If mm-hmm. depending on how you feel about Emmanuel Mosley and Diamador Lenore, maybe that's a spot where, hey, if they could get a plug and play uh, nickel corner in the second round who you feel like could start right away. That would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess left guard would be open, but you do have, you know, Jalen Moore and, uh, Aaron Banks and Colton McKivitz. Like you do have options there. I don't know how great you feel about any of those, but it's not like you have no viable options there, right. um, who've played, who've played football. So, What's interesting about this draft is it's more about providing depth overall for the roster. And maybe you hope that guys can elevate themselves into starting caliber players. But I don't view this draft as like make or break for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch because 
you know, as much hand wringing as 49ers fans want to do about their inactivity and in free agency and all of that stuff, like keep in mind, this is a roster that just went to the Super Bowl. Or so, sorry, just, that just went to the NFC Championship what? game was, was a, quarter away, <laughs> a quarter away from the Super Bowl. They went to the Super Bowl two years ago. They did, um, but with largely the same roster. But yeah, they have needs. Sure, like you, you lose Lake and Tomlinson, a Pro Bowl left guard. That's obviously an issue. But you know, left. I, I don't think Lake and Tomlinson is going that that decision not to bring him back at thirteen million dollars is ultimately going to hurt the 49ers in any significant way, which is the same way I feel about DJ Jones and not paying him the ten million dollars a year that he got from the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, they have areas, you know, corner, edge rusher, interior offensive line. You could always use help in the secondary. I think they could probably use another safety. Um they'll always they'll always add running backs, whether it's late in the draft or uh, an undrafted free agency. It'll be interesting to see how that works without Bobby Turner uh, around this year. But um, they just need to take the best guys available and hope that some of these mid-round, late-round guys can turn them can turn themselves into viable players because the 49ers really, I mean, that's their bread and butter is hitting on guys in the draft. And if you look at all of their best players with the exception of Trent Williams, who was drafted by Mike and Kyle Shanahan in Washington, mm-hmm. all their best players are guys that they've drafted. Mm-hmm. All of them. So, you know, people can be upset. Oh, you didn't do much in free agency. It's like, well, they they butter their bread with the draft. They find George Kittle in round five. They find Fred Warner in round three. They find Debo Samuel in round two. Um, like they they are able to do that or have been able to do that. And if they continue to do that, then their lack of uh, their their lack of um, aggressiveness in free agency is not going to kill them from a roster building perspective. So. They do need to hit on the draft, but for from then from their standpoint, um, they just need to take the best players available because I don't think they they should peg themselves for certain positions. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've run into trouble with that before. Um, I'm looking square at Javon Kinlaw uh, <laughs> when I say that, and um, you know, I the, just take the best players available, and then ultimately, hopefully, those guys elevate themselves in the way some of their other star players have. That was excellent. Thank you. Thank no problem. Sorry, I don't. I haven't. Look, I haven't been in the lab. I haven't been grinding tape. Yet. I, I, that's okay. I don't need you in the lab. That was perfect. Okay. All right. <laughs> thank you. Um, all right, you guys. Thank you, Chris. Well, first, thank you, Chris Biederman, for joining me today. It's no a lot problem. of fun. Um, I love having. I actually think this is your third visit to the pod, and you are the first person to be on here three times. Is this the third time on the Believe Pod? Yes. Or just? Oh, really? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, this podcast has only been on Believe. Okay. So the Tracy Sandwich All right. Well, exists. look, I'll take that. Maybe I'll add it to my Twitter bio. Please do. I think you should because it's kind <laughs> of a big deal. Uh, you guys, we are brought to you by Bet Online. And if you like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five star review. Follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And I will talk to everybody on Friday. Bye, all. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.